My name is Mike Shepard. I'm a producer. I want to get to know the artists in my new community. This is A Thousand Meals with a Thousand Artists. My name is Manche. I am a musician, a music teacher, and a visual artist. This week is going to be a little bit different because I just so happened to be on the road in Kingston, Ontario. So I had a chance to sit down with two artists that I have had the pleasure of working with before in the past. So this week and next week will be kind of an on-the-road series, if you want to call it that, where I'm connecting with a few artists um, from my past, but also who are still working in various ways. Um, this week, I got a great chance to chat with Savannah, who is someone who I've worked with before back in my theater days, but have since moved on. She's become a very successful musician, doing a lot of various gigs and performing. She's very talented. And I, I know she'll play in the Ottawa area if the opportunity does come her way. So I thought that it was still fitting for this series and I really wanted to have this opportunity to sit down with Savannah. She is the voice that you hear behind the music of this podcast and she's someone who has a lot of really interesting things to say. What I liked most about my conversation with Savannah is it was very honest and it felt very real and felt very casual. That's not something that I think I'll have the opportunity to experience with everyone I meet. When you're just meeting artists, when you're just sitting down with people, there is a certain level of awkwardness or not sharing, not being too sure about what to say or where to push or if I'm pushing too much or if I'm not pushing enough or, or how to kind of navigate those waters. With Savannah, it just felt very natural. It felt very casual, a very nice conversation. What I really want this series to evolve to I really liked our conversation about ego, what that means, both positive and negative, how ego has such a negative connotation and feeling to it, but it is just a thing. And depending upon how you use it, it can be very positive. Having a lot of confidence can be very helpful. And I really liked that part of our conversation. This was a little bit of a longer one. I've done some trimming down, which I will do every week. But this one in particular, I did quite a bit of tr trimming down because, you know, as, as Savannah and I talk about... I'm okay and comfortable with a spotlight, but I don't really seek it out. Savannah was very, very good in this conversation of asking me questions, making it a true conversation. Two people talking, asking questions about things, kind of catching up. So I cut out a few things that were more about me that I felt uh, didn't need to be part of this episode. I really think Savannah is a talented artist who says a lot through her music. You you hear her talk about that, and, I, and obviously I, I will not put words in her mouth and, and explain that. She does a much better job. And I think that was really the core of what I got out of this conversation, a chance to sit down with someone who felt so much through the music that she 
creates through the singing that she does, even teaching and painting and all these other things that she does. Um, I really felt like it was a worthwhile conversation just to, to listen to that process. And I do find it fascinating. My conversation with Savannah was on a really lovely Friday mid to late morning, early afternoon at Pan Chancho's, which is a bakery and cafe in Kingston, Ontario. They do a lovely brunch menu. It was a great setting. It was busy, the busiest setting I've had thus far. So I apologize. There is some background music, a uh, little bit of talking things that you that you have to work around. But I think for the most part, our conversation comes through quite clearly. And I'm really glad to have had this opportunity to reconnect back with Savannah. Do you consider yourself an artist? Yes. Okay. How come? I mean, I would agree, but why do you think you are? Because I tell a story through an act of creation, but the creation is just not my own. I find others and give them the platform Right. To tell the story. Because that's how I would define art. Like, I define okay, art as yeah. you tell a story through an act of creation. Because even if you're expressing something, there's a story behind that expression. And to me, that's what art has always been. Right. Or like a like a director, like, you know, like that, there's like a one level removed, but you're still, you're like I'm kind of, a little Yeah, bit. like I'm kind of the person who would hire the, I see myself as a producer. Oh, producer. Or a curator. Right. I'm the person who finds the talent, gives them the space, finds the money, creates the opportunity. Right. And that's, that's what I think I do. Yeah. I'm the person who goes, oh, I know this talented person. They have a story they want to right. tell. Now I'm going to figure out a way to do it. True. Yeah. I, my dad always quotes, I think it's Scott Galloway. Do you know that guy? He's a podcast. But he's like, chase the dream that's chasing you, you know? It's like, even if you have, like, multiple avenues of, of what you can, what you could do or could be. Like, what's the thing that's actually, like, you know, if you found that in producing, you have more... It, I feel like if with art, too, it's like, where do you have the actual the most impact? Yeah. And if that's where you're having impact, then... Yeah, I mean, impact. And I think also, I'm not uncomfortable in the spotlight, but I don't want the spotlight. Okay. If a spotlight is on me, I know what to do. Right. And I think I'm pretty good at it, being right. able to communicate and talk to people. But I would prefer no one ever look at me, no one ever talk to me can't relate <laughs> like where is it what's the what part of your ego do you need to fill like what is the ego thing that's like oh i need this specific kind of credit or i need someone to be like you know we and we know you did this like how do you relate to that with ego it has to come from me you, oh if you're it totally comes, self if it, if it comes from another person i don't believe it i reject it and i don't care not even people you admire no whoa no if it might it might drive me to be like okay now I have to now I have to build up to what they right. they're saying I am because I'm I'm not I don't believe I'm there. But when someone compliments me mm-hmm. and says like oh the marketing on this was good, my response is always if it was good I say yeah I agree I thought it was very right. well done. If not I go no. So yes it so is you a trust little bit. So yes. wholeheartedly. Yes. yes I do. That you get to sustain your own ego. That's, that's correct. That's why you're not a performer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why is that? So as a performer, out. is that the opposite of what you're saying? Like, well, you no, but like, but there's like nothing I like more than being on stage and doing something that I know I'm good at yeah. and having people immediately affirm me. And, is and that, I couldn't do that for my, like me sitting in my bedroom alone. Right. If I sing and sit in my bedroom alone, I'm like, this isn't very good. And then as soon as there are people in front of me... Like I'm, I'm pretty good at that. What does that affirmation look like? Is it from people? Yeah. Is it cheers, applause, 
focus, concentration, like, what? So last, yeah, last night at the, the best form of it was last night at the show. There were people in the audience sitting, everyone sitting, listening, watching, nodding. Just like, you know, like, you know, and there's, there, you can see people at a show where they'll be sitting and they'll, you, but you can tell when they're in it or they're not. They'll be on their phones or whatever. But when someone's sitting and like nodding along with what you're doing and the art you're making. But there's, I mean, it's all forms of it. And then people coming up after and saying like, you made me cry or like, you know, I, this made me think of that or, you know, yeah, all those things that are, I was thinking about this the other day because I've been trying to, my like, my former, like, uh, not manifesto, but like thesis of why I'm an artist okay. was like, I want to connect with people and like bring light and whatever. And it, I think that was too broad and I've been trying to like narrow it because I play all these bar gigs that feel kind of like, uh, you know. So like, how can I narrow it? And it, what it came down to is those, like emotional blocks that I have in me, like that feel like physical. Like, oh, I'll have this like. I mean, I'm not describing this well, but I want to create art that like moves emotional blocks in people to some degree. Do you know what I mean by that? I do. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, like for example, the physical experience of feeling like kind of tight in your chest and like your heart is like not open. Like, I want to be able to make a piece of art that like lets somebody cry or lets somebody feel something that even if it's just like a little shift I think it's just like how can I shift energy so that's the current and I think that was happening last night I got reviewed and like when people say yeah what you did shifted my energy I'm like okay so you you said your former thesis or manifesto of an artist yeah why do you need one to have a it's for me it's so it's for you this it's is so that I can thing. be a like a person with a job as a musician and not give up on myself <laughs> like it's just you're like i have like four shows this weekend you know and it's like if i go to all those shows yeah and don't have a purpose for why or it's not that the purpose is inherent it's there but like the the, the one-liner about the purpose is like the reminder to myself of like oh yeah when you feel your voice is tired and you feel like no one's paying attention to you and like you're sick of playing the same songs over and over again this is why you're doing this yeah it's like refocusing the, the, the path. I like that. Refocusing. Mm -hmm. I think that's really healthy. Yeah, I think um, well, I, I went to music school and that like drains your I mean, you know, you went to art school. You know, yeah. That's like, it can drain your love of this thing that you grew up loving. Of course. So you have to figure out how to rebuild a relationship that includes money and includes joy and includes like it's your hobby also. Um, and so if you're not intentional about how you relate to it it, it will be it will be shitty i think you're nailing it on the head i thought you were about to challenge me no there. I was no so because to me that's the difference that right. we're talking about yeah my goals have a financial or or structural right. purpose yeah yours don't and that's why the pairings work of a producer right. or a yeah. curator or a manager with an artist that's why it works you, from an artist standpoint, just this is just my opinion, putting words in your mouth. Yeah. You wouldn't want me if I was producing a show for you. If I was like, okay, I'm going to bring Savannah to this venue, and I'm going to, yeah. you don't want me feeling the same things you do. You want me no, out there. No, it would never happen. No, exactly. <laughs> maybe you want me being like people in seats. How much mm. we're charging? This is the structure and everything. So you don't yeah. have to worry about it. You create your art and perform it the way you want to. I make sure you're looking at yeah. 150 people as yeah. opposed to two. I'm, so I teach a little bit as well. Okay. And and I struggle. I've, I've moved towards only teaching kind of like late teens or adults because okay. 
I've but you used to, to do younger. I used to teach younger okay. kids, um, but I found that the way that I want to teach is the way that I like to be taught as a, like as an adult, which is like singing is so vulnerable, it's emotional. Right. Like, so my experience of like voice lessons as an adult is like you go in and you just cry because you realize that you're about to vocalize, and like if anything's been if you're holding anything in and you have to sing, there's like so much that sits in your throat really it's, like, it's just so vocal lessons are like have been therapy to me basically I, I didn't realize it was that personal for me it has been sure um, because I like have a song about this but like I, I think a lot about the fact that an angel moment here comes the sun here yeah, comes the sun. yeah. Um, <laughs> that like the reasons that I sing are because I like didn't learn how to properly express both like with speaking or communicating and so when I get to sing a song that's like saying all the things I've never ever said to anybody that I wanted to say it's like so it's so intense and so moving the reason I'm bringing this up is because moving towards teaching more adults because I want to teach in a way that allows me to like feel my feelings in front of my the people I work with you know what I mean and be like yeah this is sad this is intense you know or like or are you having vocal pain and you you know, it doesn't feel the same way it used to, or you haven't sung in all these years because you had a child and now you're like, you know, trying to find yourself again and through music, you know, it's all these things. And so I'm trying to foster a workspace where I get to actually be in emotions with them as opposed to like but then it is this boundary sometimes of like holding space versus over identifying. Well, how do you manage that? Like how do you um, navigate such a fine line that I think I think a lot of people can can relate to that. That's a fine line to be yeah, hyper walking, really. I I think I just am myself, and then if someone finds that I'm too, I sh- like over share or like the way that I work is too much, they won't work with me. And then the people who appreciate that continue. Like I I think I just I don't try to be different than what I would want. Um, and I let the clients, you know, shift themselves around. <laughs> like, that's the luxury of, like, having other work, you know? Like, I I primarily am a performer, and, like, that's how I want to make my living. And teaching is, like, something I really love, but it's supplementary. And so I'm not, like, on, I'm not out there in, on the web being like, come and take my lessons. Like, I'm not trying to get people. It's like people who know me, people who have seen me perform that are like, yeah. or heard my songs that are yeah. like, oh, I want to write songs like that. Or whatever. Like, people are coming to me based on the fact that I am a performer. Um, so usually the people I'm getting are already kind of like in the, in the, in the vibe. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't have true. to convince anybody. But that's the part of it. Like, I was teaching at Long of Quaid, and I would just have like, a slew of kids come through for like half hour at a time and I was like I don't know how to hold space for this you know I'm, I don't have the organizational skills or let me just say that I don't have the desire to develop the organizational skills to like make everybody a little individual lesson and like that's just not the way that I think music should be that's not the way that I would best transmit transmute music to children the best thing is for them to come see me perform and me to talk to them about what they like and like let's listen to music and that's not what parents want out of a lesson. So I had to change change that up a bit. I think that's understandable. Not that there's I have nothing against any of those kinds of institutions or oh my god no settings they're amazing. But I think their goals and what they need to do and their and what they're looking to do is just a little different than what you're describing. It's and I would. I wouldn't be the musician that I am without that kind of structure. Right. Like I needed that. 
but I know within myself that that's not the kind of educator I can be. The to relate it to the comedy, like part of the whole goal of what I love to do is like this connecting piece, and it's it's this the bubble you create with the audience in the moment of the show. Like I I do love to record. I love the idea of having an amazing album out there. I have it, it's gonna happen. It hasn't happened yet. But like to me, performing is like the heart of everything. Live performance. Yeah, and that may just be like financial right now. Like, that's, sure, it's, I'm making money, and I don't have like a studio. You still know. have to do those things. Yeah, right? like you still need to make money while you. For sure, but like, what I like about performing is how you hold the like bubble of everyone that's decided to be there in that moment. Um, and it's like through music, obviously, but it's also through like the banter, um, which is where the comedy piece comes in for me because like. Just asking through the process that, like, if I have play a Sunday afternoon show, there's usually between like five and like 15 people there, very small, but it's regular. And I'll just ask people about their week, and usually things that come up that are funny, and I'll be like, Oh, what's your job? or you know, what's your name? And we'll, do, we'll go around and do names, and then it's like now everybody's in that bubble together, and then the way that the music can impact that group is like so much greater because we, we all like know something about each other you know what I mean and so it's not just me sitting on stage and then like that's a unit it's like the whole thing is a unit um, and so that's I think that's and then the the obsession I have with comedy is the way that comedians think about um, I guess a way, or the way they observe life and like are detail oriented about it and then can like make quick associations and I think to have good banter that's like a part of it and I mean, yeah, every musician wants to be a stand-up comedian. That's like the joke, right? Of course, yeah. Um, and I would love <laughs> to, but that. what I love even more than that is being able to, like, make people laugh and, like, bring them all together and then play a really sad song that, like, they're already open and now it's, like, hitting. Oh, I think some of the best moments, whether it be in movies or theater or what have you, hmm. come from one emotion switching to the opposite. A yeah. funny moment followed by something sad happening yeah. bigger. I have a interviewee style question. I love it. Only love because yeah. only because you said this earlier and I've been waiting for a moment and okay. there hasn't been one. Yeah. You said oh, no. We're good. <laughs> when you're performing. Yeah. This is way back at the initial conversation. What what you need, what you get from people. Yeah. And you reacting to they're they're nodding along with you yeah, or yeah. they're engaging in that way. But then you said like, oh you know, they're not on their phone and they don't have their head down. They're engaged. Mm -hmm. What about the person who is on their phone, mm. who's got their head down, yeah. because that's the person they are, yeah. and then they go home and become obsessed with you because they absolutely enjoyed everything, but that's how they engage. That doesn't resonate with you? No, it does, way? yeah. Okay. The, um, well, that, the lesson of that, and like, I guess those are, like, I would never know about that, right? So Right. You, well, who's to say? Maybe I don't if know. they wanted to send me a message or something. Instagram followers, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or I mean, you don't have an album yet, but you're supposed to downloads and those. Have, like, eventually, there might be ways to tangibly so, look yeah. at that in a different light. Um, the lesson of of that to me hits the hardest if you're like playing a cocktail party and everyone's talking the whole time, and then at the end, everyone comes up to you and they're like, "That was so beautiful." You know what I mean? Like that is that to me. Does that happen then? Uh, oh yeah, every time you're playing for people talking, you think nobody's listening. Every time you play a party where it's not like a sit down and listen, it's uh that is the vibe. So like, and what goes through your mind? I'm sorry to yeah, no, comments, no, but I, I want to know. I want this is why I brought it up. You, you being up there, yeah, you're playing and you head up, yeah, no one's paying attention. Yeah, yeah. How do you keep going? 
Well, so literally, the, the dialogue, this is what I'm trying to work on, because the, the inner monologue of those moments is, you're bad. Like, my mind is literally saying to myself, you are bad. You are so bad at this. You're terrible. Nobody likes this. Everybody can tell that you're not playing in time. Like, you know, and it's like my, the, the ego of being like, everyone at this party is thinking about me and how bad I am. Like, that's obscene. But then you get people, and whether it's like, whether they really heard you or whether it's like, the social norm to come up after a musician plays and be like that was good but usually I'll get like other jobs out of it you know so it's like there are there is evidence that people do care even when it doesn't appear that they care um but the reason I talk about it, people nodding their heads and all that like I also actually something I do a lot is I bring markers and paper to my shows because sitting in an audience is like awkward and it's like gives people something to do they can do something while they're listening you know distract really them. yeah that's interesting. I've never heard of that. But just like, you know, it's See, it's I like, would appreciate that. would be something right, I would want. Because I want to my do, head down. Like and I want, yes, yeah. You know, and then I'll, and then sometimes too, that's a way to bring introverts into the like bubble because I'll be like, oh, what did you draw? And I'll, and then they like someone, even people who are really shy can like hold up a piece of paper to yeah. an audience, you know? Um, so I, I, but I do like when we, I mean, this is the same in my friendships and relationships. Like, I like when people show actively that they are, like, engaged and with me. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's not that I have an issue with the person who's head down and in the phone. Um, it's more that, like, I really, really appreciate it. I'm more drawn to giving. I, I have more ability to give energy to people who are going to show that they're present with me. You know what I mean? That's it's not really, a judgment of... No, no. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think that's natural. But yeah. I, I just find that interesting... Here you are. And that's what that's what I think I can't do. Because I go through that same process of I'm doing something. Mm -hmm. Or I get a rejected for a grant. Mm -hmm. And the first thing comes up to my head, well, you're dumb. Yeah. You're stupid. You right. couldn't do this. How could you not do this? And I think <laughs> as a performer, yeah. if I was up there, because I used to act. That was the first thing that I ever did. Right. And I don't know why I never felt that way. But I never had that. When I was on stage, I never had an internal... I was My internal monologue was, what's the next thing I have to do? Right. Like, it wasn't about what's going on out there. But right. if I did think that, I think I'd stop. You'd I'd be stop like, in the middle of the show? Yeah, I think I would freeze and be like, you're not laughing at the line I just said. Like, I would find that really hard to right. push to push through. Well, the, but the paradox of it is that I'm... I am actually so good at what I am doing that I don't even have to think about it, and I get to think about how bad I am at doing it, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> That's really hilarious. That's, I can't even. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm so glad I got that on recording because that's like. That's, that's I've, never, really, I've never thought that before. That's but, really funny. Um, that's really funny. That's what it is. Yeah, it's like the only reason that your brain can be shitty to you right now. Because you're on autopilot. Because you've done this because hundreds you're so of times. Good. Yeah. And that's, that's fascinating to me. Because one of the things that I'm, I note things in discussions to, to either reflect on later or write a little thing about our discussion and write things down. And one thing I said is you've used the term ego in a negative and a positive mm. all in the same conversation. Right. And I only ever hear it from people in a negative. Oh, what an ego. So oh. the ego is just a thing oh, that yeah. you have. That and you I, have to work with. <laughs> yeah, I love... Everybody has it. Yeah, I like ego. I also... I like people who are, like, confident in themselves and aware of their skills. And I was watching videos of myself from, like, 2016, and I was like, you were delusional that you were, like, could do this. Like, you were fine, but you were definitely not as good as you thought you were. You know what I mean? And so there is a level of ego and delusion that helps you get to where you want to go. 
I and I'm sure true. six years from now I'll look back and feel the same way. You know, it's I don't think ego is only bad if you're if you are doing it at the expense of like being grounded. I agree. Yeah. I think the minute the minute you do anything that doesn't ground you and negatively starts impacting the people around you, people you want to work with, people you want to connect with, even for me, random strangers, that's when yeah. I have to like, okay, yeah. now it's time to pull back. For sure. And I've done things. I get off stage and I'd be like, am I the greatest living performer? <laughs> like, I will. And, I, and I think that's why I've had to think about ego so much is because I get unchecked. I would go off. <laughs> like, you you say that I'm laughing only because I thought those things. Right. I thought those things so hard that even now when I'm like, did you really? There's a part of me that's like, yeah, yeah. I am that good. Like, <laughs> shut up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's the, the part of me that's that's yeah. younger is almost still stronger than me. Yes, of course. Where I'm, where I think back and go, I don't know if I was that good. And then the part of me is like, are you kidding me? You, you did this thing. Yeah. You are, when you, you were, were that, that age. Good. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It is that good. So it's almost as though I'm battling with my past self and my past self right. is winning. But why do we, why do we take the voice that's like, you are dumb with at face value and then take the voice that's like, you are amazing and be like, no, you're wrong. That's a great question. Yeah. I was about to answer it, but now I don't have one. Well, we think that the, the negative voice is some kind of, like, honest, like, friggin', I don't know, like Maybe. a saint being like, oh, no, you're not good enough. And then, like, the good voice is like, why do we give that that bad voice so much weight? I don't know. My positive voice mm -hmm. is as strong as my negative one. Right. They just come out at two different times. I think, so I actually think mine is as strong as well, but I think... Culturally, it's like not accept as acceptable. It's everyone not. is everyone is allowed to hate themselves, but you are not allowed to like think you're really good. Mm -hmm. I think the like extreme ego that is like labeled toxic air quotes um, is the result of a, like a hyper facts, like a an opposite swing. So some usually people who are like that are actually very insecure. Very, and so very you true. go the further you go. Like I think about the moments where I seems like I'm the greatest living performer. <laughs> Just ridiculous. Um, and those moments usually are like maybe after a series of like pretty tough shows mm. and then I have like one good show and I'm like okay you know I need to grasp and let me hold so tightly to this so that I can feel good about myself but then I think what happens over time is that if you can like come kind of meet in the middle there is just like genuine self-love and and then that gets mislabeled as ego if you're like yeah like when people compliment me i say thank you like i work really hard or like yeah i appreciate you know i agree i think i, yeah. I crush that you know and if i don't think i crush it i'll say it like you're, well, that's what you said yes that's exactly yeah. exactly what i do and sometimes people are shocked yeah but it's an honest it's just an honest take where yeah. i'm just trying to Trying to, you know, be on that same level. Like, if I agree with you, I'll agree with you. Mm -hmm. If I don't, I want to go do the work to improve. Right. And how would you feel? Okay, so this is something I literally did last night. But how would you feel if you're at a show and a singer sang a shit song, and now at the end it's like, man, I crushed that. <laughs> like, would that bother you? If they crushed it, no, they no. wouldn't bother me. But what if they didn't? Then would, I would bother me. Why would it bother you? Because they didn't crush it. But wouldn't it just be like fun to see them like? Like, sure. it'd be funny. Yes, least. I would say it would be funny. Yeah. Yes, I, I would say it wouldn't. Okay, 
let me reframe bother. Yeah. It wouldn't bother me in the sense that I would that I would think about it again, other than the exact moments of you going, right. cr I crushed it, and me thinking, yeah, <laughs> which, did is you which has happened. There's been theater shows that I've right. watched where I'm directing a show right. where someone is doing something, and I right. can tell they think they're great, and I'm going, you're not, you're not doing it. Like you're not. Gosh. You're not hitting where you think you're hitting. All I ever, talking about inner monologue, all I ever felt when I had to act and think at the same time was like, this is the, you're so bad. Oh, you were. It was, no, it was you not. Were, a, no, it's you okay, were, it's okay. You no, 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 I, listen, I'm, I'm honest when it comes to my reflections back. I thought your performance in 13 was very good. That's you're being far too generous. I I'm not because the, way I say the context words? of that show, the, the context of that show was everyone's at a high school level. For being a high school student from emoting, it was very good. Would it be good if you did that exact no. performance now? No, because that you're older. But during that time, your context was good. That is a space in which I truly felt so uncomfortable. And when I tell the story, like just in terms of my skill level, when I tell the story of people are like, how did you become a musician? And I was like, well, I was in high school. I started doing musical theater because I wanted to be on a stage and singing. And then the minute somebody said, you can be in a band, I was like, I'm never doing theater again. <laughs> um, listen, I, I don't remember everything you read, but uh, I every time I remember working with you, it was nothing but pleasurable. That's and I think when you're doing what we were doing, mm -hmm. A space for young people to create, yeah. but but doing the best quality possible, right. which I knew was never going to be Broadway. But that doesn't mean you don't take it seriously. Yeah. You try to give the best thing possible. So we have people leaving the theater going, "That was way better than I thought it was going to be," yeah. which always happened. You were never ever in the realm of the people like we can't work with this person, whether it be for attitude, talent, yeah. ability, whatever. It was all when you came and auditioned. It was all like, "Okay, good, Savannah's here." That's very so cute. that's that was I, always yeah. In terms of the like chase the dream that's chasing you though, you know, I would much rather not be just like a middle like a neutral person. Sure. I'd much rather be like an additive person, and that's why being a musician is much more fruitful than being a theater performer. And I like saw yeah. Tyler in once. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what you should be doing. Yes, you know Tyler. Like, he is yes. the person to but do that. But Tyler was always that way. We knew it Tyler had talent thing. from the very beginning. Yeah. But, I mean, he cultivated it, and he and he and it's course. what he wanted to do. But, like, that's where, like, you see me acting, and then I'm like, and then I sing a song, and I, like, open up, and yep. it's like, well, that person should probably be a For sure. A but that's why 13 works so well for you. Yeah. Because your character was so closed off that it was perfect. <laughs> you didn't have to come out of your shell. It was, it was literally right. perfect. Oh, what I was going to ask you is about... You're approaching it again. It, are you interested in creating this in a way that allows you space and or time and or like, I don't know, the, the, the means to feel your feelings while you create your work? Or are you going to do the same thing again where you like head to the nose to the grindstone like seven years down and then you'll feel them all later? Like, are you interested in integrating feeling into this process? Depends what what is needed of me. You know, why don't you decide? Why don't you get to decide? Well, because you're creating it. <clears throat> yes, but when I create something, yeah, especially when I did it before, at least I don't know what this is going to become. Right. When I did it before, it quickly became bigger than me. Right. And when I believe something's bigger than me, I have to put its values or its needs or its interests first. And that's where the the thinking of it like a child in that metaphor yes. kind of works for me where I did what was best for the theater company more so than what was best for me, including letting it go. Right. Including eventually exactly. saying, 
you now must leave the house right. and I'm not going to help you anymore. Right. Including having to do that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't have an answer to your question right. yet because I think I'm in the beginning of it. If I work with artists who, who need the space to create their work yeah. and my role can be to deal with the logistics so they don't have to, to yeah. deal with money so they don't have to, to deal with the hard stuff so they don't have to, then I will be strong for them if that's what I need to be. If I enter an atmosphere where artists want me to feel with them, and that's part of their journey, they want me to be part of it, then that's different. Then right. I will I will I will do what is needed to make it as successful as it can become. Yeah, I guess there maybe the question is partially about like work life balance too then. Like are you like is there something about how Blue Canoe became an over like an all consuming project? Are you as you I mean, maybe I'm projecting because I'm also trying to do this, but like <laughs> as you age, are you trying to create a life that isn't all consumed by the work part yes of it. yes yeah. but that but i'm doing it out i'm doing outside of the work right. so one thing i did learn from my time yeah. before when i was running you know a theater company from basically like 19 to 31 yeah i didn't exercise i didn't have really social network that right. was separate from from it mm. i worked 80 hours a week yeah i never paid myself a cent because i felt like it was wrong to take money from the company Oh all God. those things I've, I've corrected. That's great. Okay. That's really all what I'm those. asking, I think, is like the sustainability of, because to go seven years and, and not get to be yes. a human person is yes. really hard. I wanted to ask you about creating the music for this podcast. Oh, yeah. True. But, but I'm going to reframe it now Okay. because of something you just said. You're an artist. You create your art for you. Yes. You create. It's very emotional. Yes. So when you're asked to create something you're commissioned yeah you, i mean you accepted what i said almost without real question you had some questions but you did you just did it yeah so if i come to you and i say here's a performance date at the national arts center and i want yeah. you to do it and you say yes is that interfering with your artistic process because it's less natural no i mean if you offered me a show at the National Arts Center, would that be interfering with my process? Is that what you're asking me? Yes, because because no. I'm basically saying, okay, what if I said I want new music? Like my own music? Yeah, I want you to create new music for a new show. Yeah, I could do that. I think I... Because it's not organic. No. It's being yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of forced, right? I know what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would just lie to you and I'd bring you a bunch of old songs. You don't know my music. No, exactly. <laughs> you get away with it, like too. Like brand yeah. new. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um... I think commissions in general, this is interesting because I'm also a painter and I sell my artwork. We didn't talk about that. We like, did not talk about that. That's fine. But I really struggle to do commissions for painting because I haven't put as much time into like developing the craft of being a painter. And so I just paint when it's fun and, and then something comes out and then people buy it if they like it. Um, but with music, I, you know, I have a four-year degree. I have a lot of experience performing. I, I have enough trust in myself that given a deadline or like a you could do it. I can do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, this, the podcast song was so fun to me because I'm obsessed with podcasts and it was like this marriage of like two things that I really love. And so, and I, I can think of all the podcasting songs that I like and all the ones that I don't like. Like, do you have you ever listened to Mike Birbiglia's podcast? I don't know. Okay. His theme song sucks. It's oh, okay. So <laughs> it's just like poorly recorded okay. and it's like jangly guitar and I just, you know what I mean? So I was like, oh, this will be a cool way to do that I think in terms of forcing songwriting um, 
I, I probably could use a little bit more of that in my life. Really? Because I only work organically right now. Right, right. And so if someone was going to give me an opportunity so big, I would, like, gladly jump on the, like, let me write. Or you're like, let's say, you were like, let's write a, a show about the water. And I had to write all these songs about water. Like, that would be... I trust myself enough to be able to do that and I think it would be a cool opportunity. It doesn't mean that those are the songs I'm going to perform and like sing and resonate the most with, but I could do it. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah. yeah. It's good to know. That's and it's, yeah, it's, I, sometimes an artist wants to work organically. Sometimes they want to work with deadlines. You're saying a mix? Yeah. I say I, I lean towards working organically. All the best songs I've ever written just happen. You know, yeah, that's the cheesiest thing to say, yeah. but it's, like, true. I think that's true of a lot of things. Yeah. I, I really do. And um, and I think that's the difference. That's what separates, like, being a, a songwriter and being a working musician. It's, like, yeah. sometimes you have to do it. Yeah. Uh, and that's a cool different... That's a different skill. It's a different challenge. A Thousand Meals with a Thousand Artists is a project of Soul One Arts, Inc. Produced and edited by me, Mike Shepard. Original music by Savannah Shea. Thank you to this week's artists and the local restaurants who host us. For more on A Thousand Meals with a Thousand Artists and Soul One, please visit soulonearts.ca. If you're an artist, feel free to reach out to us on our website and connect for your own meal. Thank you for listening.